think Mark uh, Spoggy said it the other night we were doing the Zoom prayer, and he just said, man, I'm just tired of this, <laughs> and this whole thing. I, I, I think that expresses how, I mean, put you on the spot, Mark. I think you express how I feel, probably many of us feel, uh, just this thing has lingered. It's been 10 weeks since we've gathered together. And uh, I was thinking, man, we might miss Easter, you know, three weeks out. And uh, that's a, it's a long forgot. And so I am just, I express Ashton's, I'm thrilled to be together, um, for us to gather, um, just to be in each other's presence, to sing, to hear our voices. Um, the church is the church by definition as we gather. So there's been questions like, will we ever like just do it online and be distant? Or actually, we wouldn't be the church because the church is the gathered people of God. It's not about the building, but it's about something about being together in proximity uh, to where we worship, where we confess, where we hear uh, from the Lord. And so we are gathering here tonight, and um, we've done we've been looking a little bit at uh, Jesus and some of the promises He's given, but. As we think about gathering back together, at least for the next three weeks, kind of recess, uh, reassessing our vision and where we are, and thinking about the need for one another, I want to focus on just the community. Because I hope that these few weeks has left you with a longing to be together. I know some of the extroverts here are out here have, uh, have, been, have been struggling, been struggling. Hope this sense of longing because community matters. We are meant to be together, to be in relationship. So for the next uh, three weeks, we're going to talk about community, and hopefully by then we'll be in the Trinity and we can begin a new series as we move into the summer. Uh, I'm going to do it from Romans chapter 12. Uh, we'll look at that, that chapter the next three weeks. Um, you know Romans, the first 11 chapters, a lot of really good, dense theology, but then chapter 12 says, you know, how then shall we live? So so how does all this good stuff matter? And it gives a lot of commands, but they're given to us, the people. So we're going to read Romans 12, 1 to 2 tonight as we think about the call of the community. Would you stand um, as I read these two verses to us? It's on your sheet there if you want to follow along. Romans 12, 1 and 2, we'll do uh, start in verse 3 to 8 next week, and then we'll finish 9 up in the end of chapter in three weeks. Romans 12, 1 to 2, Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. By testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is God's word for us as people. You may be seated. Um, so first you see the command. You, you're probably familiar with this passage. Um, it says, I appeal to you, brothers, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. The first thing I want you to see is that it's uh, to the brothers. It's to the people. Brothers here in this context would mean brothers and sisters. would mean the whole gathering. So this command is given to the people of God. It's not just individuals, but to the people. He says, Present your bodies. It's plural. The verbs are plural. Paul's given this command to the Christians in Rome that y'all together should do this thing. Should give yourselves, present yourselves as a living sacrifice. I hope that as we slowly emerge 
uh, from isolation, that we would begin to see ourselves much more in a New Testament way. One of the, uh, the downsides of sort of American Western evangelicalism is that we see ourselves so much as individuals, so much choice and so much freedom, and that's cured over particularly with our relationship with God, that it's sort of us and God in the silo. Uh, even the whole idea of the quiet time, which is a good thing, uh, is so privatized. That wasn't the case for most of the church. They didn't have their own copy of Scripture. If you wanted to be spiritual, you gathered with the people of God and you heard the Word of God together. So uh, my prayer is that we would be like this and see ourselves, when we think about being a Christian, we think about being the body. We have a much more corporate identity. And this corporate people, Paul says, is to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Well, what does that mean? It means that we're called together to give ourselves, to consecrate ourselves to God. A sacrifice is, is laid down before the altar to, be, uh, to surrender, to submit, to give ourselves to God before Him, to His Lordship. To set ourselves aside. I heard a preacher say one time that the problem with living sacrifices is that they tend to crawl off the altar. <laughs> and that's why it's, that's why it's a, a corporate thing because we come and we say, yeah, God, we, uh, we, we want to do a reset. We've been 10 weeks off and, and many of us have struggled. Uh, there's been maybe some good things, but it's been hard. But let's reassess that we're called to give our lives. Our lives are to be concentrated to you. They're, to be given to you, to be dedicated to you. And we come to the altar to do that before God, and then our, all of our fears rise up, and all of our anxieties, and all of the idols that we've been wrestling with over the last 10 weeks. And so we try to get away as quick as we can. We come, and then we start going. And so when we do it together, it's a plural command, because we get to actually grab each other and drag ourselves back onto the altar that we would die again, that we would give ourselves again. Paul tells the people of God that we together are to present our bodies before the Lord, that we need one another if we're going to be the people of God. If we're going to be the social club, we might not need that. Uh, if we're just going to be a fun hangout, if we're going to be people that are kind of like-minded in the same age, we don't need that. But if we're going to be the people of God on, vision, on mission, in the world to serve, to surrender, then we're all going to have to do it together to help us hold ourselves accountable to laying ourselves at the altar. Because my inclination and yours is not to do that. It's to, to offer a little and then my fear rises, my anxiety creeps up, and I want to leave and I want to flee. That's the command, that to present your bodies. Bodies, it's not just some spiritual thing, it's all of us, our bodies, the living sacrifice. Second, notice the motivation. He says, uh, I appeal to you, brothers, therefore, by the mercies of God. Um, there's been 11 chapters detailing the mercies of God. Paul has said over and over, he said, we're sinners, and then he says, no, you're enemies, but God has reconciled you to God. You were broken and God has, you were in slavery, but God has redeemed you. You were ashamed and now there's no condemnation. You were separate from God and now there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. 
He has told us over chapter upon chapter of the mercies of God. 9 through 11 of Romans speak of the, the uh, election, the chosenness of God's people. His mercies extend. And because of the mercies of God for us, for you, now we present our bodies together to living sacrifice. Therefore, this is talking about gratitude. Um, are, are you grateful for each other? I, I, I'm extremely grateful just to be here with you. Because we haven't had that. We can assume that. It makes us think a little bit of those churches that have to meet underground, persecuted places, and have to struggle together. And we, we've been hard-pressed to get together, but now we're here. Is there a sense of gratitude? For us to be the church, we have to be a people that are, grat- that are grateful. Our gratefulness uh, reminds us that we're dependent upon one another, that we need each other. Our spiritual life is not uh, me trying to muster up enough spiritual maturity or growth, but I actually need you to speak into my life. I need, I need to hear your voice and sing. I need to hear your confession. I need to partake together. Gratitude is what makes a healthy community. Gratitude is particularly important during difficult times. Uh, one author said this, our capacity for gratitude is not connected with an abundance of resources. Do you hear that? We're not grateful because we got a lot of stuff. But what our, our capacity for gratitude is not connected with an abundance of resources, but with a capacity to notice what it is that we do have. Do we realize what Christ has done? Do we realize the mercy? Do you know the forgiveness? Do you know the cost? Do you know the redemption? Do you know what we have? Do you know uh, that normally we gather every Sunday for corporate worship? Do you know that that's not assumed in some places? Do you know that we do that without fear of being shot at or the building burned down? Do you realize the privilege we have? Do you realize that we have every Sunday to be renewed in the gospel, to be reminded of the mercies of God, that as we sing, we actually tell the story of God to one another. It's not just Ashton, but we sing to each other. We confess to each other. We hear the word read to each other. We hear the word preached to each other. The mercies of God. Um, If we're going to be a church that has any impact in the city, in Midtown, we've got to be motivated by the mercies of God. We've got to know and so do you know it? Do you know it? Do you reflect upon it? Um, do we live into the mercy of God? We must because there's a great temptation. Um, but chapter, that's what verse 2 is about. It says, uh, you've got God's mercy. I've told you about that. Now give your life to him. Surrender your life. But don't be conformed to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, to be conformed. If you've ever been, uh, you've been whitewater rafting? Have you been that? I've done that a few times. I enjoy that. Fortunately, I've never fallen in, but uh, they say if you fall in, you know, unless you can grab the boat, you're not supposed to stand up. You're not supposed to swim. What are you supposed to do? You put your legs up, right, and you let it just carry you. That's uh, That works great in whitewater rafting. That's not great in the Christian life. That, that's the word conform. It means to just be there. If you're still and stagnant, 
put your legs up, the world is going to carry you. It's a, it's a passive thing. You will be conformed. You will be carried down the rapids. You will be conformed into the world. What does it mean to be conformed? What do you think that looks like in our context, to be conformed to the world? I think in this context, as a people, as we come out of this uh, COVID-19, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be an overly concern for self. Uh, we're obviously concerned about safety, we're concerned about health, um, but, but it would be easy for us to have our whole focus now shifted to me, to our self-preservation, to taking care of ourselves, or maybe we're just so glad to get out of the house, we're in perpetual party mode, right? You know, every, every night's happy hour, and I'm just going to live for me and go out and be with my friends, and it's just fun, and we need to have fun, and we need to have parties, and we need to explore. But the way of the culture is that life is about me. Life is about us. And I, I pray that as we reemerge, we come out and we're reminded, oh, yeah, we've been in a hole for 10 weeks. We're the people of God. We're called to live together to actually press into one another, to hold ourselves accountable to something that's greater than just living this self-interest kind of American life dream. And I'm concerned that for, for myself, for us, that our vision will get small and narrow, and it'll be only concerned for self-preservation and self-interest. But we're made, we're made for so much more. Our life is not our own. But instead of being conformed, it says, but rather, we're to be transformed. Metamorpheo. Metamorphosis. We're to be transformed. To change from one thing to another. To change from being about self, to being about what we want, the way we live, it's my life. To be transformed to people that are willing to actually die to self, to surrender to each other, our rights to give ourselves, to come to the altar again, again, to hold each other accountable. Sorry, I'm moving there, Matt. To hold ourselves accountable to being a people of God, to being on mission. And I know that there's a lot of grace. I know a lot of people in different places who struggled. Uh, there's anxieties. Some of I've talked to are struggling with depression. Uh, this is not a, a failure to take care of self, but this is a call. But we're to be transformed. It's an active thing. We're to be pursuing what it means to be the people of God. How does that happen? By the renewing of our minds. Our minds have to be changed. They have to be thinking on the things of God. They have to be thinking on what it is that God longs and desires for us. We're tempted to be passive, to be carried along in the ways of the world. We're called to since paddle upstream. This will take a lot more than maybe we know. It's going to take a lot more courage, a lot more boldness, a lot more risk-taking together. That's what we're called to do. If we, uh, if we do that, what's going to be the result? It says, uh, we're transformed by the renewing of our mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. What is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God? Uh, I'm wrestling with that a lot. This, this text, maybe you have. What does that mean? We'll, we'll know, you know, if we don't conform or transform, we'll know exactly everything God wants us to know. Maybe he'll write it in the sky or something. 
you know, you single. Who, who am I supposed to marry? No, you know, what's the next job? Like it's this thing. But the word discern there means to approve. It means to, uh, when we're being transformed as the people, the charges to us, we'll be able to understand what it is God's desire is for us. There'll be clarity to where we're going, to where we're headed. We'll come to understand and agree with what God wants for our lives. We'll say, oh yeah, God's right in his word when he says that. Oh, God's word, God's law, that's a good thing. When we fall in line with that together, there's blessing, there's goodness, there's purpose, there's meaning. Transformed. We want to give our lives to the things of God. It's less about, like, I follow God and then everything I know is really clear. What's my next job moving? It's just boom. It's more about being. Together, because of God's mercy, we're transformed. And then our, our being, our community is shaped. So we're less about self-interest. We're more about serving and giving ourselves to the good of each other, to the good of the city. We move forward. We will be the body of Christ as we're called. First Corinthians, uh, First Thessalonians five eighteen tells us one thing: with the will of God. It says this. Back to gratitude. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. What's the will of God? Gratitude. Be a people that know, to live in the mercy of God. We offer ourselves. As we go through the book, chapter 12, we're going to get to the end, the marks of a true Christian, what it means not to be double-minded, what it means to love, what it means to honor, what it means to, to not repay evil with evil, what it means to weep with those that weep. We have occasion to weep, don't we? What it means to have joy with those who have joy. The will of God is more about being than it is about specifics and doing. Jesus has called us for this sake. He's given us gifts. He's given, we'll talk about that next week, the diversity of the body. That we would be the people of God as he's called us to be for others. So we're called to be living sacrifices. And um, we're living sacrifices because Jesus wasn't, right? We're living sacrifices because he, he didn't. He went to the altar and he died. And he was crucified. And he gave up his rights. And he laid down his life. And he didn't take them off in self-interest. Or he didn't get afraid and run away. But he submitted to the Father's will. He was crucified. He was the Lamb of God who gave himself. For us. And he gave himself so that we would be constituted as the church. He gave himself that we would be united, that we would learn what it means to love, to hate evil, to do good, to reconcile. One of the things as we reemerge, as we think about this next year as a church, um, it's going to require more of us. It's going to test our character. Like, do, do we believe the things we say we believe? Are we willing to reconcile with one another? Are we willing to see our neighbor's need and not be so concerned with self that we don't move out and seek to care and to minister? Are we going to have a heart to share the gospel as people 
in our, in our lives, when people are hurting, if people are broken, are we going to speak the words of life? Are we going to be the transformed community of God living in Jesus? I think that's what God is calling us to. Um, I hope that this time away has created a longing for you. It has for me. And I think God, uh, we know God wants to change us. We know all suffering, all trials, whether they're big suffering, little suffering, are meant to change us. They're meant for us to wrestle with. What does it mean to live faithful before God? A big part of that is to press into one another. And as we do that, we'll recognize more and more what we're called to do. I think God has a lot of great things for us in Midtown. I've met neighbors and engaged with them over this break. There's great churches in our city. There's great churches in Midtown. But God has us here for a purpose and for a reason. And we have an opportunity to live into that if we'll press in. Uh, I need you. Um, You need each other. We need to know each other's lives and hearts. And that city needs you. And so uh, let's, uh, let's press in together as we seek to be transformed in Jesus' name. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you for um, letting us gather together tonight again um, just to hear for a few minutes your word. Thank you for this weather that it's held off and the rain's held off. Lord, I pray that we would be renewed in our hearts and minds. We wouldn't run to isolation, um, but we'd actually reach out and call or text or see or meet. God, for those in the scourge, would you uplift us? Uh, for those that are uh, that are content, would you would you shake us up? Would you change us? God, would you give us a greater vision for what you call us to, God, than just our own little lives and our own little world? May we have a big vision. May we have a big heart for the sake of the gospel of your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.